Imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women. Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global program. I am so excited to welcome you to today's program, where we will be speaking with Monique DeMaio, CMO and founder of a 23-year-old marketing consulting firm, On Demand CMO. And today we'll be speaking with Monique about the seven elements of a successful marketing strategy. You know, according to the most recent B2B Marketing Mix Report, a full 67% of companies surveyed named lead generation as their top marketing objective. And though leads are important, the entire process of preparing your brand or company to and for market is absolutely critical. If you skip the key elements of the marketing development process, your lead generation, and most importantly, your client conversions will suffer. There are so many elements of marketing to master. Competitive differentiation, branding, storytelling, digital, social, thought leadership, sales enablement, ongoing customer communications, and more. And this is the process that will be discussed in today's program. So today, we are so lucky to have Monique DeMaio with us. As I noted, she is the CMO and founder of a 23-year-old marketing consulting firm, On Demand CMO, and she's with us today to discuss these critical marketing components. On Demand CMO is predominantly focused on the B2B marketplace, specifically in the areas of marketing strategy, branding, positioning, messaging, lead generation, and sales enablement. On-demand CMO helps clients drive more sales and increase profitability by the strategic use of all of these elements. On-demand CMO's business model is to either supplement clients' marketing expertise on a project basis or to operate as a client's outsourced CMO or full marketing department on a retained basis. I have to say, we are so lucky to have Monique with us today. I know this will be one of our most popular shows on Lead Hership Global. Thank you so much for joining us today, Monique. Hello, Linda. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be part of the Leadership Global community. What a warm and very nice introduction. I was wondering who you were talking about. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, Monique. We are so excited about today's program. And we are the lucky ones that are able to listen and learn from you. So thank you so much for joining us. Now, to kick us off, tell us a little bit about your journey. What's led you to have such passion around marketing? It was a slow journey. So I have to say I had a couple of um, interesting starts. I started my career at IBM in the Latin American division. And then I went on to work for Solomon Brothers, the Wall Street investment banking firm, more in the areas of events and event planning and conference planning. Then I went to the, a not-for-profit called the Promotion Marketing Association of America, where I actually promoted the idea of promotions among brands. 
And so I did that. And then I, I had this fabulous uh, career experience where I was the publisher of Brand Week magazine. So that was, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. But um, what happened was, and then I went, you know, I had gotten my MBA at that point, just so that I, I wasn't pigeonholed as an event girl, as I like to call it. Um, the interesting thing for me at that time, having been a client for so many years, is that I kept meeting with these agencies that tried to sell me what they did and how they did it and how they wanted to do it. And it, there was really no, it was a take it or leave it sort of scenario, you know, and I didn't really care for the idea that I couldn't bolt on what I needed. They kept replicating some of the resources that we had in house or what we didn't need. And I was like, well, why am I going to hire you for that? I have that. I just want this. You do this well, right? But the irony or the sort of the, the happenstance that I think is relevant is somewhat more personal. And that is that I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm an immigrant. So I was born in, yeah, I was born in France and I came to the United States at the age of five. And um, my, my background is French, Italian, and Spanish. So my first language was French. My second language was Spanish. I had some understanding and, and comprehension of Italian because it was always spoken around me, but none of us spoke English. So we got here and I learned English the fastest because I was the youngest. So I became the family interpreter. So I was interpreting for much older, you know, my family. And it occurred to me very recently, actually, that from the age of five, I was telling stories and communicating for those who could not communicate from the, for themselves. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm destined to be in marketing to tell those stories. And it started before I even had comprehension of what marketing was. That is so powerful, Monique. That is just amazing. Now, I know you as a marketing savant, a true marketing expert. Can you describe the seven elements of the marketing process from your point of view? So part of it is a little bit less, not necessarily marketing. It's um, the, the business plan. You have to have a business plan. The second part is more of the competitive review of the market and who you compete with both directly and tangentially from the perspective of differentiators and, and, and how you stack up or how you're different. The third is awareness and branding. And I'll talk about branding a little bit as well, because people have different definitions of branding and we should clarify that. Uh, the fourth is sales and marketing alignment, thought leadership and content marketing. Um, digital and social media. And then lastly, the ongoing client, customer, partner, all those communications. So um, what I wanted to talk real quickly about in answer to that particular question is what is a brand? So people think a brand is a logo. People think brand is a graphic. People think, so it's all of that, but Jeff Bezos says it best when he says, a brand is what people say when you're out of the room, right? How they talk about you when you're not there is what your brand is. So it's all of it. It's the tone. It's the manner. It's the graphics. It's the tagline. It's the, the complexity or simplicity of what you stand for. It's what you stand for. So I just wanted to answer that. I think that's a really smart definition, Monique. Thank you so much. Now, when you talk about the seven elements of marketing, what is the importance of order in the process? Does it have to happen as you listed the seven elements? So to be honest, in my best possible worlds and my, my utopia, yes. 
Because what happens is people will rush to the tactics, the development of the output. They'll say something like, I need you to do a website for me. And I'll be like, hmm, you do, do you? I need, oh, I just need a new, you know, I just need a new trade, was my favorite in technology because they're, you know, I need a new trade show booth and a new sales brochure. It'll be fine. We're good. We're good. We don't need anything. We're good. So you really fundamentally have to go back and say, wait a minute, have you done the due diligence? Have you done the foundational work? Have you done the competitive analysis? Because maybe when you, okay, so there's two different things, right? There's the startup who has maybe none of that and has to build it from the ground up. And then maybe there's the, what I call the stuck mid-market company that isn't growing for whatever reason. And they come to me and they say, I need you to give us a little kick in the, you know what, right? So they'll say, I need a website. And I'll be like, no, 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 you don't need that. You need to go fundamentally back to square one and look at what has happened to your business. And then look at what your competitors are doing that you are not. And look at, do you walk, talk, sound the same? Are you, you know, can you swap out a logo and you could be your competitor? If the answer is yes, you got a serious problem. So you really do have to fundamentally do the work, do it in the order that I describe it. And do your, what you just talked about, which is great, is customer touch points. Your brand promise is not just what you put on your website or what you put on your social. It's how you engage. It's how that person transacts on your website. It's how your checkout process is. It's how your staff treats your customers. It's all of it. And they have to be in alignment. So that's so smart. And as you know, it's so important that all the elements of the marketing mix are aligned to reinforce the consistency of the brand. So thank you so much for emphasizing that. Now, what do you find is the biggest mistake that business owners or existing enterprises make relative to the marketing mix and the marketing process? Are the answers different for a new business versus an existing business? Right. So the new business, I think, will make the mistake of not doing the due diligence and further. And this is my this is my my favorite quote that I I, I use all the time is different is better than better. OK, so if you don't if you launch and you just say, I want the same flavor of business that this existing you know, brand has. Why am I doing business with you exactly? So you have to be super, super clear. And and new businesses will hesitate to do that because they want to be all things to all people because they think that's the right thing, right? If I appeal to everybody from, I had a prospect, prospective client tell me that he was targeting everybody over 35 that wore glasses, fashion or prescription. And I was like, hmm, really? No. So you have to pick a swim lane or two, but small. Your client or your customer avatar or sweet spot customer has to be prescriptive. You have to be all about that customer. It's what do you stand for? Again, back to the value promise, but you can't be all things to all people. So what's going to appeal to a 55-year-old woman is not going to appeal to a 23-year-old boy. So like, right. So we, and what are those swim lanes? Even if you're in the food business, you're going to stand for something. Are you all about organic? Are you all about sustainability? Are you all about local produce? Are you whatever? Is it your cosmetics? I'm not in the CPG space, but let, is your cosmetics pure and, you know, unadulterated is whatever it is, is your technology simple to deploy? Is it faster to market it, whatever the case may be, make it clear, pick your sweet spot clients, 
don't have more than three swim lanes, don't have more than three messages. That's another thing that the mistake is messaging all over the place. People can't remember more than three things. Think about it. Short, fat, bald, tall, skinny, blonde, uh, cheap, easy, good. Um, what, you know what I'm saying? So three, always the power of three. Don't have more than three messages. Different is better than better. That's brilliant. And I love the power of three. That's just absolutely so insightful and so memorable. Thank you so much. What wonderful nuggets of wisdom. Thank you so much for that. Now, what advice would you give us to a startup or an entrepreneur who's feeling stuck and not experiencing the kind of success that they want? So, you know, back to the foundation and the, the building blocks, it's where exactly are you getting stuck? So is it, so what's not working? Is it your sales profits? Is it your sales top line, bottom line, referral business, distribution, interact sales channel business? Where, because see, here's the thing. Marketing is a lot like doing a medical diagnosis. I can't give you a prescription if I don't know where it hurts. So we really, really have to get prescriptive about the prescription and say, okay, Linda, where is the pain? Is it top line, bottom line, competitive? You know, there's got to be a reason why you got stuck. Did something in the market change? Did your technology not keep up with the trends? Did somebody else enter the market? Did you have a problem with turnover in your sales team? Is there a problem with your partner or your indirect selling model, strategic partnerships? That kind of, that channel, is that not working? Or a little bit of everything. And once we diagnose where the pain is, then we could say, okay, so if it's, if it's direct to consumer, if it's B2B, we look at the channels, we look at the delivery models, and then we say, we look at the experience. So we have a thing called the Brand Customer Experience Audit, BCA, we trademark that. And it's like, more or less, it's a 360 degree view of your touch points in every channel, in every, whether it's physical, digital, or both. What happens? How are you capturing interest? How are you capturing leads? How are you putting out content? What does it sound like? What does it look like? Who's using it or interacting with it or not? And then we look at all of it and we say, okay, there's some inconsistencies here. Let's fix that. But more often than not, it's that they haven't paid attention to the marketplace dynamics shifting underneath them. So for instance, even um, when we did, you know, we had Avaya as a client for 18 years and we had Intel for over a decade and we still do projects for them. But the point is that if you don't change your model and the way you compensate your direct and indirect sellers and you're more, let's say, hardware focused and the business is going to SaaS. And if you don't keep up with a SaaS model product then your competitors are going to eat your lunch. If you are in a position where, <laughs> if you're in a position where, you know, you're competing, most of these technology companies are not brand exclusive. They don't have a captive marketplace. So Intel could have the same line card as AMD and a bunch of other chip manufacturers for the reseller who's out there and they're agnostic. They don't care what they sell. They're going to sell two things, what's easy and what makes them more money. Hard stop. 
So unless you make it easy for them to sell those products and solutions, you're screwed. So, so we, our job is to make it easy for that indirect selling model or wherever the pain is for that stuck company, medium, large, small, whatever, to enable them to make it easier for that transaction to happen, ergo directly impacting the sales. You have to get to the heart of where the pain is. You look at the transactional pain in that area and you say, where's the friction? Let's remove the friction, add the marketing and sales alignment to that friction. It should go away. Prescription done, pain away. (laughs) I love the analogy to being a doctor and diagnosing where the pain is. Thank you so much. That's just a brilliant analogy. Now, most business owners realize how important customer engagement is and that businesses really need to build trust and understanding with their customers. But how does marketing actually help accomplish those goals of building trust and building understanding to lead to customer engagement? Right. So I think that the the idea is really paying it forward. So you really have to put out a tremendous amount of value to your prospects and your customers before they ask you for it. So you're always there when your type of brand or your type of product or service is in their mindset. Because you're, you know, the mistake that all size companies make is they they need it to be about them. It's about them. It's about them. Well, I'm going to build it and they're going to come. No, they're not. And also if you can, if you keep talking about yourself, think about you like what we said before, right? A brand or a personal brand, you have to act like, do you want to talk to the guy that won't shut up about himself? You go to a cocktail party. Do you want to be with the guy that talks about himself all night, that doesn't shut up, that doesn't listen? You're like, shut up already. So this is the shouter. I call it the shouter. Well, don't be the shouter because if the brand keeps shouting about itself and it's blah, 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 it becomes noise. You tune it out and you know what? I'm not dealing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not interacting with that brand, with that company, with that, whatever. But if you constantly see valuable content to you, whether it's blogs, it's newsletters, it's it's uh, white papers, it's um, you know POVs, point of views. It could be editorials. It could be whatever. People are quoted as subject matter experts, and now they're like, "Yeah, you know what? I remember that mortgage broker. I remember that bank. They said, you know, I got an article that was really interesting about what the difference between a HELOC is and a and a line of a line of credit versus a loan. Like that's important. Like." Ha. Huh. So when I want to do business with said person or said type of company, I'll probably go to the smart one that's been giving me content and giving me value for a while. I think that'll work. What a great example of how to build trust with your customers, Monique. That is just brilliant. Now tell us about some successful lead generation ideas or success stories that you've had that might be able to help our audience with driving revenue. So first, first things first, you kind of have to look at, you know, how long have they been in the business and do they have a client base? So there's a couple of things. There's, there's certainly, you know, centers of influence in the B2B space, centers of influence where you can drive a lot of traction by doing small events within your networking groups that are centers of influence. For instance, if you're in the financial services space, you bring the lawyers, the accountants, financial services guys and and you and you start to do you know customer 
information sharing from this perspective of my client has this, but they don't have that. They could use you, Linda. They could use you, Susie. They could use you, Joe, and so on and so forth. So those centers of influence um, events and, and programs work very, very well. But more and then backing up, you have to look at where is there a problem? Is it that you don't have enough customers or clients? Or is it that your pricing is not right? Right. So you do have to look at your foundations before you decide, I just want a lead gen effort because you're going to draw, I'm going to drive leads to you. Now, are you prepared to take them? So what we, depending on the, the, the size and the scope of the company, like what we did for Navisite, Navisite's problem was that, um, you know, they had too many leads, but they were unqualified by the time they came to them. So by the time they got around to following up on the lead, they had thousands and thousands of leads. I don't know how they were driving the leads, but clearly they weren't, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't qualified. So that's a problem. So they were coming in and thousands and thousands, they didn't get a chance to follow up. And when they did, the lead was cold. So we said, okay, so what you need is a better way to qualify the leads to provide value for customers or clients that are ready to pull the trigger on your service. So let's change up how you're doing leads altogether and look at a different approach. So what we did was we designed a digital online assessment tool. So we, at that point, they're selling, you know, they're selling cloud services. So it's, you know, it was cloud. Everybody kind of gets the whole cloud, but they're afraid. They're like, oh, is this secure? And oh my God, my business is cloud. Oh, geez. And so there was a lot of, you know, misinformation. And then you were targeting both business owners and you're targeting CTOs and you're targeting CIOs who are very savvy. So you have to ask intelligent questions, validate where they are in the, in the buying journey, and also make them, you know, an actual prospect that's ready to go, that's qualified that has the right budget, that has the right, you know, situation going on. So we asked a 10, it was a 10 question survey that they filled out online. They got a score because everybody wants to know how they're doing relative to their peer group. And then a customized report. Linda, thank you for taking this assessment. You know an awful lot about the cloud. However, here's some things you don't know. Value, 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 value. And if you want somebody to talk about your needs, let us know. Opt in. Okay. So what that did, and then we integrated that into their sales force. So the leads became, went directly from online to the right salesperson's desk with all of the answers there. So now Linda, when you call Joe, you know exactly what he wants. You know exactly where he is in the buying journey. You know exactly where his pain points are and you know his budget. Hello. So in six months, we've got 10 conversions. We're making over a million dollars. We, you know, like good. Now, if your company is smaller, and this is not, you know, this is a different example, you have to put, still put out value. You still should put out content. So you're send, you're putting out blogs, you're putting out weekly, um, monthly, at least quarterly newsletters that are targeted specifically about your avatar, your key customer, what there is, what's important to them. And you're presenting yourself as a subject matter expert. So that's how you're going to drive some leads. How are you going to convert the leads? Uh-huh. Well, what if you, what's your business model? Is it in person? Is it still online? Then you have to create like a funnel kind of 
digital conversation funnel where it takes them through the buying journey and then you convert. If it's bricks and mortar, you got to drive bodies into the store. If it's e-commerce and and bricks and mortar, you could choose your poison. But ultimately, you have to increase the frequency and complexity of the communications you have as ongoing with that customer or prospect. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Now, how can a smaller business actually implement lower cost marketing strategies to successfully hold its own against larger competitors? How can a smaller business really compete by leveraging marketing in a smart way? Yeah, I feel like I might have answered that question prior in my previous answer in that in some respects, because you are playing the game of the content and the value equation to the outreach and the ask for the sale, right? So I like to talk about the 75 to 80% versus 25 to 30%. It has to be about them 75 to 80% of the time, meaning the customer or the prospect and 25 to 30% about you. So you have to balance those two things. Don't be constantly be the talker or the, the shouter. So when you're creating that valuable content, it takes the form for a small company of a blog, a newsletter, um, outreach premium content that they're going to want to download like a guide to doing their life, their business, their whatever better. So for instance, as an example, um, yeah, I I shouldn't give that example because those are large companies, but for the, the smaller clients that we have, we are realizing that they're not sharing their knowledge. So when you have subject matter expertise in-house in a company, which is what makes a company successful is the knowledge base, the IP that they have. If you don't some, in some way, shape or form, make that available to your prospects, they're not, not, they're not going to know you have it. So people are always coming to me, I can't share that. That's proprietary. I'm like, I'm not asking you to share the secret sauce. I'm asking you to share the fact that you have the secret sauce. There's a difference. Now go out there and be the best subject matter expert you can with the elements that you can share and some examples couched in, you know, obviously some, some privacy, but why are you solving that problem? How are you solving that problem? And why should I care? If you're not the best at what you do, okay. But if you are, then you better let me know. How do I figure out that you're the best at what you do? Well, you have to communicate to me in some way, shape, or form that gives me that context. So if you become the thought leader in that space, in your space, I'm going to be working with you because people don't want to work with dumb people. They want to work with people who are really good at what they do, right? So like, you know, like this is what you do. So you call the person who's always been there for you, providing value, providing that content. So People in small companies have to look at their customer, their client list and say, okay, what are, what am I, it's going to be 80, 20 rule. I, I, I will bet you a hundred dollars that in every sense, every small company is going to look at their customer database, the one that they, the customers that they do have. And they go, these guys have something in common, right? Yes. What is it? So that, what is it? Is where your client or your customer avatar is. So you replicate that. So I'll give you an example. If you're, if, you're, if you're a managed service provider, you're selling technology services and your sweet spot customer, oh my gosh, they're all in banking. Oh, and you know what? They're, you know, they've got five to 15 branch offices. I do really well with regional banks. Oh my gosh, look at that. That's who you target. 
That's what you make your content about. That's who you outreach to. You make your use case scenarios, your customer testimonial scenarios, your case studies. You provide that as valuable content to another regional bank or something that says, you know what we learned from this example? This is where your pain is, Mr. Banker. We can solve that for you. That's the kinds of content you want to put out there. Even if you're a small company, it doesn't matter. But if you're putting out valuable content to people that you already have diagnosed our sweet spot customer profiles, you're better, you're going to have a conversion. Your conversion is going to be better. Your sales are going to be impacted much more so than doing mass, mass, mass. It doesn't work. Mass doesn't work. Forget it. It's just not going to work. Oh my gosh. Such great advice. I got to tell you, I feel like I've learned so much by, by listening to you today. Thank you so much. And now I'm going to pivot a little bit. Monique, tell me, what is the best leadership advice you've ever received? I don't know if it was extraordinary, but it was certainly very useful. And that was that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're, you have a superpower and then you have a whole bunch of things that you don't like to do, which unfortunately take up all of this, all of this time, space, energy, thought. And the smartest advice I I think I can share is that you need to prescriptively give away the stuff that you're not good at. And hire out for that, whether it's full-time, contract, project, whatever, and do it sooner than you think you want to. The reason I say that is because if you wait until you are so up against it, you're up against it. But if you know it's coming, like, for instance, I hired a social media manager because honestly, I don't have the bandwidth and nor should I be spending my strategic calories entering, doing posts and managing my clients' social media outlets. So having that off my plate, as an example, as we were growing was like, oh, phew, now I can concentrate on the bigger picture, right? Or bookkeeping or, or, you know, setting up appointments or whatever that is that you're not good at, that you're just, oh no, today's the day I have to do that. That's the thing you want to give away. Thank you so much, Monique. I think That was just absolutely brilliant. And I am so grateful for your time today. Thank you so much. Now, before we sign off, I think you have an offer for everyone. Do you want to tell everyone what that is? Yes. So if, um, if, if you guys would like to have, um, we, this is something that we, we do for our clients before we meet with them. And I would have this customized for you guys. We call it a marketing assessment. And what it basically asks you is to tell, to ask your, just questions for yourself. So it's more of a DIY helpful tool for you. It's not like a sales piece that I'm, you know, I'm throwing out there. It's more about having you be in the mindset of where is your pain? So this is more of the diagnostic. So you can almost, we don't want you to self-prescribe drugs or anything like that, but we might want you to try doing it for marketing. So that's what it's for. So if you feel this, uh, you're better prepared to say, you know, this is where my pain is and potentially this is where my solution. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Monique. And thank you for such an incredibly generous offer. And thanks to everyone tuning in today to the seven elements of a successful marketing strategy. We are so glad that you are part of the Lead Hership Global family And I hope that you have enjoyed Monique DeMaio, the CMO and founder of On Demand CMO, as much as I have. 
Thank you again, Monique. And to everyone listening, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. Thank you. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.